shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the FPL Masterclass. I'm your host, Haydar Rabani. I'm joined by Rob Blanchard, as always. Guys, Merry Christmas. Hope you had a fantastic uh, couple of days off. We are on the 30th today, so we are near the end of the year. Rob, this is the last FPL Masterclass of 2021. Guys, before we begin, make sure you give us a follow on at CF Masterclass. Give myself a follow on at Haydar underscore Rabani. And give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. Rob, my FPL team is in pieces. These last two weeks have been awful. 28 uh, for the recent game week. I've got Dallow to play tonight. And uh, 28 again, <laughs> below the average as well. While other people have jumped up in their leagues, I've dropped backwards. So I'm really, really frustrated. I'm actually happy we're doing the show today because you're flying it at the moment. And it's all those little tweaks, isn't it? These little tweaks that are paying off these differentials here and there. Uh, but, you know, what is your sort of uh, feeling going into this game week? Because a lot of players have had some really, really bad weeks and they're looking at the Salah question, they're looking at AFCON question as well. What are we going to do? So what are your sort of little thoughts at the moment on what's going on? And uh, what are your tips before we go into this show? Well, Christmas and going into the new year is always where classically FPL managers get it really wrong. Because they're just in tweak mode. They go mad with it. They're kind of like, do I need to burn points? I need to change players. Then you've got something like the complication of AFCON, which I think is a significant complication, especially with Salah in there. But you've also got players like Dennis, Mane, other African players that will be away. And of course, you'll see that already people might have made those changes early. Of course, there was that temptation with Liverpool having no game week as well. Of course, that changed people's ideas. But we're going to talk today about how to play this game. And what I mean by that is that we've said right at the start of this show, when we started this series, that this is all about the brain. It's not about in here. It's not about what you feel with FPL. It's about looking at the numbers and playing the numbers and letting the numbers dictate stuff. So today we'll talk about how, you know, the show uh, team has done. As I said, that's obviously my team and how we do it. And we've, we've done it from week one. Everyone who watches the show regularly would have seen how that team was built from week one all the way through now to week 20, 21, 22, 23. And we're trying to reveal a few things, the kind of little methods that I use uh, for you to be able to copy, take away, and hopefully go and win your own leagues. Absolutely. And guys, as always, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, chuck your teams as well in the comments. We'll go through them or any questions you have regarding certain players. We will give all our best tips and tricks. But Rob, let's start with your game week 20 total. So look, very low scoring week in general when you look at the average points. Namely, that's down to the fact that Chelsea didn't perform, Liverpool didn't perform as well, and uh, they do make up the bulk of most people's teams. As you can see, you've got 42 points. The highest was 104. You'll be really pleased with that because you're well above the average. And, uh, you know, you're looking at your overall ranking as well. You're now in the just outside the top 2,000 in the world, which is fantastic. And you're really just, you're chipping away. I mean, last week you got, you know, over 60 points or so, didn't you? You had Odegaard, you had Martinelli. Uh, while a lot of people were struggling or they burnt their chip like I did, I burnt my free hit chip. 
uh, which meant that I had a couple of players not playing game week 19. That's rolled over as well to game week 20, where I had a couple of uh, of poor performances, for example, Salah. But, um, you know, you're really ticking along and you're you're elevating yourself, aren't you? And you're sort of peaking at the right time in your leagues. Yeah, and you've got to look at percentage ownership. So just to kind of marry that in with kind of what we're saying here with the points, you know, last week, as you said, Liverpool, bad game week for them. First time that Salah's really let all his kind of uh, owners down. But Salah's averages over the weeks mean that you stick with Salah. He tells you you stick with him because of the averages. That's how you play this game. You do it by averages. Not your heart, use your head. So the average last week was 27 points, very, very low. And that was probably because of Salah missing his penalty. But the good thing is, is that if your team is built around very similar constructs to the other top teams, is that you all drop points. So me getting 42 points rather than, say, above the average of 27, I'm happy with that. Now, I'm not happy with 42 on a normal week. I always say I want around 50 to 60 points around that mark. But 42, I'm happy with. So it's about tweaking the other parts of your squad as you go along week by week by week to, to take advantage of what we call the differentials. The differentials is what wins you leagues. It's what gets you going up every week, going the right way. As you said, they're just outside the top thousand or 2,000 at the moment. Really, really happy with that. I think at this stage, you know, I'd be happy with anything in the top 10,000. I'd be good with. You can have one or two bad weeks and suddenly slide out of that, that area very, very quickly. So I'm not kind of counting any chickens before they hatch. Never worry about the highest points total there, 104 points. Why? Because generally the people who get that in that top end, especially in a bad game week, are just lucky. It's just because they haven't changed their team. Someone's had a good week and pop, and there you go. But uh, disappointment with Salah, but also hugely disappointed with Chelsea. I think Chelsea are the team that you know, kind of got this image as a defensive team. Yet now when you start looking at the stats, the stats are telling us that Chelsea are not particularly good defensively. So we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, Chelsea have uh, lost nine points. They dropped nine points over the over the December period. You see that, you know, they were sitting top of the table. They're now behind uh, City quite considerably now. Obviously, they dropped points as well against Brighton yesterday. That was yeah. a one-all draw. But we're, let's re- review your game week uh, 20 team. As you can see, we've mentioned the failure failure of Liverpool and Chelsea. I mean, you probably thought, I was, I was looking at it, I want to reach James go off because I've got James, but and I, I haven't got Alonso. you got Alonso. I thought, no way is Rob getting away with this, getting Alonso to come on and get a clean sheet. But obviously, you know, the FPL gods uh, were kind to me. But you can see, obviously, the usual Cancelo again with the return. City are just a juggernaut, Rob. And if you don't have at least Cancelo and Foden or, you know, I have had Bernardo now for a while. He hasn't really given me returns recently, but he will get returns. So I'm not even thinking about taking him out at the moment. Mm-hmm. But you've got Salah and obviously Jota, who did not really perform. Antonio, I took him out, actually, this week. Or, or last week for Bro- Brozier, and obviously now he gets the assist. Uh, and then Dennis. But look, a good, decent game week. Um, and considering that a lot of other people got in the 20s, you know, you've done pretty well there. Yeah, I was happy with that. Just to talk about Antonio, this is the interesting part with him, is that he's still ranked as, like, in the top two or three players in the whole of FPL in terms of their ra- rate, their week, uh, weekly ratings in terms of his, the way he affects the game and the way that he helps his team win. So I bought Antonio back, so I bought Watkins, but then Villa had the, that duff game week where, obviously, COVID affected it, so I got rid of Watkins, brought Antonio back in. Didn't really want to do that. I wanted to bring in Edward because I was looking at Palace's fixtures and I was like, oh, he's not done anything at all this season, Edward, since the very, very early game weeks. But you were looking at their runs and the run was telling me, go for a Palace forward, go and get Edward. Zaha's out, 
he's bound to be the guy that scores if they scores what happens he scores he gets two assists man in a match it's like oh so that's always the sickener isn't it when it comes down to to who do you choose but uh just to kind of look at um the team then going across it Manchester City are just are just easy it's just what Man City players do you pick I don't know if we can go back to that Haydar and bring that back up on the screen for people who are watching but there's always a thing with Foden, isn't it? Now, we talked about Foden last week and we talked about other Man City players. I always talked about De Bruyne. Bernardo still, for the value, this is all about value versus versus cost versus points. So Bernardo did nothing, got you three points. But when he does get you points, when he does score a goal, he suddenly becomes a huge, hugely valuable uh, asset. Foden, in that mid-range at kind of eight million, he's going to get you those points virtually every time he starts. And Cancelo is just easy money isn't he bit more he's, he's kind of premium not quite you know alexander arnold premium but still up there but he just gets assists and just gets the ball forward he progresses it he does all the good things that you want in fpl and then he gets clean sheets but the kind of missing bit here i don't, I don't want to listen too much about the liverpool players at the moment because we know that they just had an, an odd get bad week but chelsea i think you know alonso and james for weeks now have been a good double up in terms of they are the, the fullbacks, he plays a 3-4-3, three, three, they go up the pitch. As we know, James is now out for a bit. We're not quite sure how long, but I cannot see him getting back in quickly. And then you have to think to yourself, does Alonso play? Now, you would expect that. But I'm going to phase my Chelsea players out now. Not because I don't believe that they can recover their form, but the numbers are telling me that they've just got a really bad set of fixtures coming up in the, in the weeks ahead. And again, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But I no longer have that confidence in Chelsea of being a team that can at least shut you down. So even if Chelsea are playing badly, I'd expect a goalless draw maybe. So that's all right if you've got two Chelsea defenders, isn't it? So they're going for, through a funny patch. And I think just looking further up the pitch, I talked about Antonio and I, and I stuck with Dennis. And again, it's just Dennis's value. You know, he's the number one striker in FPL, has been for, for a few weeks now. And again, he's one of these players that if you haven't got Dennis in your team as one of your front three, you're not doing this game properly. Because Dennis shows the numbers. He's totally unfashionable. Watford are totally rubbish, but he gets points and you want points. And and this week I kind of I benched Martinelli, obviously no Arsenal game, Ramsdale as well, no Arsenal game. Arsenal have got a blank game week to come in about four or five weeks' time. So we have to keep our eye on that. We may have to get rid of those guys because they're going to lose us points. But around the fringes, you know, like I'm happy to have no one coming off my bench as long as obviously all my starters start. And this week that happened. Unfortunately for me, well, fortunate as a Man United fan, Salah blew his penalty because I think if he scores that, he still probably goes on, has a really good game week. And we're talking about a totally different conversation. Absolutely. And Rob, you know, there's a comment here saying that uh, the City players saved uh, him. This is from Alan, but Salah Gallagher... <laughs> Regulon and James injury all hurt him. I understand why they didn't announce players with COVID. Not having that info versus injuries hurts. It's very difficult, isn't it? Because you don't know who actually has COVID and who doesn't. I mean, I took Antonio out on really the basis. Hard. We discussed last week, didn't we, that Antonio, you said, you know, he has COVID. So I wasn't yeah. expecting him. He didn't start, but I wasn't expecting him to play. But obviously he came on and got the assist. It's really, it is really difficult. This year is more difficult, I feel, than, than any year, really, because of the fact that the postponements, we don't know what game's going to get postponed. You know, we don't know who's out, who's not. Um, and it's really difficult. And even the players that do come back, I mean, look, United didn't play for two weeks. And you think with the run of games with United that they would have, they would that they would be a great pick for some of their players. But you don't know which players have had COVID and who were a bit leggy. So it's a really, really difficult time for FPL players. 
it's really tough. And and I think this is where the managers, the FPL managers that play this game in a more statistical fashion will be more successful than the ones that play it by just what they think is their maybe knowledge base or their heart or what they think a player can do. Ronaldo is a classic example in the sense that Ronaldo, you expect to score goals all the time. But if Man United are as bad as Man United have been, Ronaldo's probably not going to even get a shot. So you need to think of it about it that in that way and look at the stats over a number of weeks. And, and thankfully, there is still this year, like we're just saying, even though it is difficult to play, I think the mid-range is as easy this year as it's ever been. So like the six to eight million pound bracket, which was always difficult to maybe just pick one or two players out of. Last year was Gundogan. You could look at him scoring every week. It was like, I'm an easy pick. Put me in my team. This year, I think it's a much broader base and there's less kind of chance for mistakes. So if you have a Gallagher, you said there at Crystal Palace, then that's that's great. But what if Gallagher gets another yellow card because then he's suspended? So you have to look at the suspensions, marry them all up to the numbers and try and find players that will give you a bit of value over more than just one game week. I mean, Gallagher is one that killed me because... If he was playing against Palace, he Rob, he's on corners, he's on penalty, he's on penalties, he's on free kicks. So he hundred percent would have contributed, and Palace destroyed Norwich, and then Edward did very, very well. So that was that was a big frustration for me because I, you know, I wasn't the impression he was going to play, and he was meant to play. Obviously, mm. he has I think it's one yellow card before he gets uh, banned, but that was a big frustration. We've obviously got Madison and Tillemans up on the screen, but we're just going to talk quickly, Rob. We'll touch on the Afcon. Uh, players that will be going because we did last week and we'll do more of a, an in-depth dive with them next week. Um, but, you know, we obviously we have Mo Salah, Dennis, you've mentioned, Mane are three key players that aren't going to be there. We've got to prep for game week 21, but do we get rid of Salah now? I'm sticking with him personally because I think, you know, he is the top, top player. I don't know what my strategy is for when he comes back. I'll need to leave some money in the bank. But as it stands right now, he's staying until he goes. And then I'll make that decision when he comes. But how are you going to play with Salah? Because a lot of people have already sold him. I know he got zero this week, but he can easily go and get a couple of goals in the game coming up uh, this week. I think you've got to stick with him because his his weekly numbers are the best in FPL history. You know, the, the numbers he gets week after week after week, even when Liverpool don't have a great week, Salah generally brings brings home the bacon. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of player he is. Now, yes, AFCON is a is a consideration, as you said. We will talk about that in much greater depth next week. But I've had that in my mind really for, for quite a long time. I've tried to stay away from African players, just in the sense that I know that they're going to get pulled out of my team. But I've had to stick with two, and that is Salah and Dennis. So they're the two that I'm happy to kind of have... have have had in my team because they're just bringing back points week after week after week. And then I'm going to have to try to phase them out. So, you know, I'll talk about my change in, in teams at the end of the show, like we normally do, but I think you've got to stick with Salah at the moment, because if you get rid of Salah for, let's say son or another premium or someone in midfield, De Bruyne, I think is now coming to the conversation and you get points from him and son and then Salah doesn't get points like happened this week. That's just a guess. That is not looking at numbers. That's a pure guess. And if you play FPL that way, well done. You got your points that week and it works like that. But you will not win your league. It's just as simple as that. So it's trying to make sure that you you lean on those numbers as long as you can. I look at Salah and I think to myself, I'm either going to lose him for four weeks, potentially two weeks if Egypt collapse. And I am going to have to pay attention to the African nations, not just for work. I'm going to have to look at it for FPL because I want Salah back in my team as soon as he's available. So that's the way I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to save that money. So that's in my mind that 
I can't just make five substitutions and change players around, you know, buy five players just because of Salah is gone. And then when Salah comes back, sell all those five. That's bad strategy. But it's about doing it now, next week and the week after and just doing it slowly but surely. And of course, as I always say, don't burn any points. Don't be giving away four or eight points for an extra couple of uh, transfers simply because you feel bad about your team. Do it the right way. It's a strategy that I need to think about because I'm looking over at Spurs and we'll have a look at the, you know, the sort of the fixture difficulty table in a little bit. Um, and we'll yeah. go into that in more detail. But, you know, I'm looking at Spurs. I know they drew against uh, against Southampton, but you're looking at Son and Kane. Kane's starting to score now, but you're right because if you bring Kane in, if you want to bring Salah in in, let's say, two to four weeks' time, what's going to happen is you're going to have to take a minus four-point hit unless you yeah. sacrifice elsewhere in the... In the uh, you know, in your team. But, um, you know, there are a couple of teams that have got some, and clubs who've got some really good fixtures coming up. So you've got Leicester, Burnley and Villa. So we've got a couple of Leicester players here up on the screen. We've got James Madison and Yuri Tillemans. So we've discussed, you know, is it better to bank the salary money to buy him back? So we've discussed that. But what I do want to ask you, Rob, is that, you know, we have got Leicester here and they've got Norwich, Burnley, Brighton, Liverpool and West Ham as the next five games. Looking at Leicester this season, have been terrible, let's be honest. But Madison's been in fantastic form. I, I believe in the last two, three weeks, he's been the most informed midfielder in FPL. I know his form at the moment is 8.0, uh, but it was 10 uh, last game week. He is 6.9 as well. He's starting to cook. Looks like he has got a muscle injury th though as well. And Yuri Tielemans as well. Like he, He's had quite a good season in terms of, you know, he scored quite a few goals. His form has dropped. He has been sitting on the bench a little bit. Are those the sort of mid-range players that you're going to be targeting to replace Mo Salah and then bank the money? Potentially, and that is all about looking at the fixtures to come. So like you just said there, looking at, at the teams that, that have got better fixture runs over the next two or three weeks, Leicester definitely sit in that bracket. So it's about looking at kind of the players that are giving back returns or have been given back returns, but then also feeling about, you know, which players are going to start. So Tillemans was on the bench last week, but I think that was more to do with resting him. It wasn't a case of dropping him. You know, his form before that's been really good. Again, we, we bring these two slides up. We know with Madison there's potential for injury. So guys, before you buy him, obviously listen out for, for what's being said. I do actually think Brendan Rodgers has done his presser today, so you could probably go back and find out exactly what's going on. But when you look at his numbers, um, so this is a player, a sleeper hit, yeah? So Madison, someone you could compare to, say, Grealish, yeah? In terms of style and substance. Um, you know, ICT index overall ranking of 27 out of 274. So that's top 10%. Very, very good. You look at his mate here, Tillersman's 25 out of 274. Again, top 10%. So you're looking at players of that kind of value that when you look at their prices of, you know, 6 million uh, bracket here, 6.9 for Madison and just 6.4 for Tillersman's. When you've got Leicester on this run and, you know, they've just beaten Liverpool, so they'll be high on confidence that it makes sense that if you're going to make maybe that one budget signing, that you go for a player like one of these two and drop Salah out that week. What happens then? It means you've got a decent player in there who's got a really good run of games and £6 million in the bank. So that's £6 million from one transfer because you've just brought in a guy for around £6 million. Let's say Tillersman's at 6.4. And your Salah, who you've just come out of there of around the £12 million mark, is in your pocket. It then means that you've got flexibility, doesn't it? So when you go into wildcard weeks, maybe in two or three weeks' time, you could either bring Salah back, but with a big wildcard change and change several players who are going to have blank game weeks coming up. And you can also do the opposite. 
that if they reschedule those COVID games, which they will do, you might have double game weeks that you can then exploit. So this is about holding back a little bit of cash. When I say a little bit, it's a lot of cash, isn't it? It's not it's not one million or two million, which is a little bit of cash. You could have potentially six or seven or eight million in the bank, still have a fully functioning FBL team who are going to be optimum to get points, but you've then got so much flexibility. FPL is a game of weeks and weeks and weeks. It doesn't just happen over one or two weeks. You must look at it long term. I mean, we we discussed this discussed this off air, Rob, didn't we? Fardy out for three weeks, mm-hmm. and um, you know, Rogers hasn't said anything about Madison's length. And uh, you know, good question here. What about J- uh, Jared Bowen, who's in great form? And then you've got one of Smith Rowe, Saka Odegaard. We will talk about this a little bit later, but Arsenal do have a uh, you know blank game week in game week twenty five. That's something mm-hmm. to keep in mind. Look, I had Smith Rowe for well, pretty much nearly the whole season, and then I took him out because he was sitting on the bench for a little bit. And uh, I brought in Martinelli last week. Right. <laughs> He's out as well. So, like, you know, I, I've tinkered a little bit there. But in terms of, I mean, I'm not hitting, you know, I'm usually just using one transfer a week. I'm just keeping ticking over. I just need to get to January to use that wild card against. Way too early to be using that wild card. I burnt my free hit. I think that was the issue. I burnt my free hit chip. And then a the week later, they announced they were giving another one. And then on the game week, that I did need my uh, free hit chip. You know, I had three players not playing, those Liverpool lads, and that's that sort of knocked me now, and I've dropped down the, you know, the leagues in the last couple of weeks. But when you're looking at those players, Rob, I mean, I, just, I still think that someone like Son for me, and I know uh, Shersha has brought in Son, because he's removed Salah already to bring in Son. I think Son still, Spurs are cooking, and I think that him and Kane are probably going to be the replacements for me for Salah. Yeah, and, and again, this is a this goes back to what I just said about heart and head. So if you look at Spurs, there's some renewed confidence in the way Spurs are playing, but you've got to let the numbers push you towards it. So I think Son and Kane are going to score goals and get assists. But what's the problem with Son and Kane? They're very expensive. And that means that you will lose something in other parts of the park. So I'm glad you brought this one up now. He does shows us here, obviously, the, the fixtures to come. So Tottenham have got a really kind of mid-rangey type of of fixture list. And this is about targeting clubs. So Tottenham have got Watford. It's a good good fixture for them. Arsenal, Chelsea, not good fixtures. Might be lower scoring games. And Southampton are a little bit hit and miss, aren't they? Southampton can really come and punish you early on, even though they're not particularly a great team. So that's a difficult range. So this is about, you know, what can I do over the next two or three or four weeks? However, when you look at kind of the top end of this field here, and we just talked about Aston Villa there as well, West Ham, you talked about there with Jared Bowen, uh, Liverpool being a difficult one because we just don't know what they're going to do when Salah goes out of the team, will their form drop? And then you've got Leicester a bit further down. I think the way I look at this, and the reason why we brought Tillersmans and we brought up um, Madison is that next game for Leicester, Norwich. Norwich is everyone's favourite. I wanted to do a bit on the oh, show. Man United, not... Rob. <laughs> well, well look, look, the thing is about Man United, and the thing is, Man United have got Wolves, Villa, West Ham and Burnley, yeah, in that, in that kind of run there. And as United fans, we know our club better than anyone else in terms of ourselves. You know, we watch them all the time in FPL terms. I wouldn't bet against, for United against any of those teams at the moment. That could be nil-nil, nil-one, one-one. No, FPL, 
no, just let's just stay away from United. I just do not think that their form overall is better. It would be better then rather than going for Ronaldo to go for Harry Kane because I do think that Tottenham's fixtures are better than that. But I do think that the Norwich factor here this year is really important is that if you can target players who are playing Norwich that week for in any way, shape or form, do it. Norwich concede goals for fun. Norwich are bad. Norwich are getting relegated. And t- and just you always get a big upturn. So that's why I said I wanted Edward. I looked at that and I thought, oh, I really want him. But, you know, I just couldn't make it work. And the goes in there, gets Hammers Norwich. So I, I think Norwich, have got they've got Leicester, Everton, Watford and Palace there in that run again. I would be looking at those players from those four clubs in the weeks ahead just to take advantage of the Norwich factor. But you can see that at the top as well, Everton are there. And I've not actually put anything together for Everton players this week, but we have seen that Calvert-Lewin is back in training. He's ready to go. So if you did want a striker, someone who's a decent price, but is probably out of form before he got injured, but obviously now he's back. I think Brighton, Norwich again, Villa and Newcastle, you know, bottom three team. Go for those relegation teams. Look at who those clubs are playing and try and beat cherry pick from that in terms of the numbers. Yeah, I think uh, Everton I'd avoid as well because they haven't played for a couple of weeks now with mm. their postponements. And we saw yeah. having Man United where they didn't play yeah. for, for you know for a couple of weeks. So I don't trust, uh, you know, they're not on the training pitch week in, week out. They're going to be definitely lacking in some sort of match fitness. And Everton yeah. weren't exactly pulling up trees before. I mean, they beat Arsenal. But apart from that, you know, it's been a bit of a difficult time for Rafa Benitez and his players. So I would be avoiding Everton as well. A couple of other ones, Rob, to sort of pick out. Let's have a look at Burnley as well. I know that they're quite low down at the bottom. You're seeing Arsenal and Chelsea have got the worst fixtures. But Burnley, they've got Leeds. I mean, Leeds are just atrocious, aren't they, really? And they've also not played for a couple of game weeks. Leicester, Arsenal and Man United. I mean, if we're looking, and we will talk more about Reese James's replacements. I know there's a question in the comments regarding that. We will talk. We'll do that extensively a little bit later on. But, uh, you know, maybe someone like Lowton from Burnley or Cash as well from Villa, if we're looking to buy in some defenders as well. Because look at Chelsea's run. I mean, look, they've got Liverpool and then City, the two best teams in the league. Then they've got Tottenham very much improved. I'd, I'd argue, you know, Tottenham are probably in the top four sort of teams in the league in terms of their form. There's been a question about Lukaku. He's had, He has got a couple of goals and an assist as well. Is he starting to cook as well? Harry Kane's starting to score. I mean, are you really looking at those Chelsea players and thinking, look, I've got to bring them out. If Rhys James comes out, looking at Cash possibly or Lowton, who might have a double game week as well. Yeah, the, yeah, the big thing about Burnley is not their next four and it's not really about their form. The thing about Burnley is they're going to get additional game weeks because they had all those COVID in, uh, individual fixtures go. I think they had three go. So they are going to get double game weeks in the next six weeks. So that's why you might go for Lowton at 4.4 million, just a really, really easy drop in. So if they've got games, you might be able to. But of course, Lowton might play a double game week. He might get yellow card in both games. Burnley might get thrashed. So you get two points out of two games. So you do have to kind of, you have to gauge it. But I do think that with this season, the way the shape is with the mid-range players and also the budget players is that you could take out a premium like Reese James, and you're going to have to now because he's injured, and bring in a budget player like Cash, like Lowton, or someone around that range. And I'll tell you who I've done that with at the end of the show because I have done that. I've replaced Reese James with a budget option because I'm looking at the numbers. But I think when you look at Arsenal and Chelsea, you know, the question there about Lukaku, yes, Lukaku might start to cook. Yes, Arsenal have been playing well. 
But looking at those games, I'm going nowhere near those clubs. I'm not making additions for them. And if anything, I'm going to be selling those players because I just don't like the matchups. I've got Martinelli in my team. I've also got um, Ramsdale on my team. Do I really want those two guys playing against Man City, Tottenham in that in a kind of double game week in 21-22? The answer to that is no. I might have to because you can't sell everyone. So injuries might dictate something different. But you look at Chelsea, Liverpool, City, Tottenham, blank. That is the nightmare run of four games for any team. It doesn't matter if Chelsea are good or not good. Those are four ga- or three games that they might lose or might be at least difficult game weeks. They might hemorrhage goals or they might win those games, but still actually not, not accumulate many FPL points. So this is about accumulating FPL points, not, not proper Premier League points. But that blank game week as well coming up in, in week 24, that's a massive concern. And I would then say to people, steer away from Chelsea at the moment for two reasons. Their form is awful, but they've just got this run of games now that's going to be so, so difficult to navigate. Just want to touch Rob on City before we talk about replacements mm-hmm. for uh, Reese James. Looking at Man City, I mean, look, they've got Arsenal, they've got Chelsea next few game weeks, but you just stick with them, don't you? Because they're just a juggernaut. They're going to be anyone in in their in the sort of way. I mean, look, let's say for example, um, Foden's back in the side. You've got Bernardo as well, someone who has been fantastic this season, really high point scorer, hasn't really done very much in terms of returns in the last couple of game weeks. Um, but would you be sticking with your City players, whoever they play? Definitely. I think City's successes are are just there to be seen. Um, I said again at the start of the season that Man City are the one team that you can have three players across maybe 15 or 16 of them in a squad and they might not start games, but they will just get points every week. So Maris is a classic example. Maris is the top scorer at Man City this year. I think he's got 13 goals, but he doesn't start. He hardly ever starts. So he's not a, a regular starter, but when he's in the team, he always get goals. He gets goals and assists. The player I've gone for this year has been Foden. And the reason for that is that he's a decent mid-range option at around £8 million. But I think this is going to be a breakout year for Foden. So Foden was, again, I think top scorer last year for City. I think that he'll replicate that form. He's also the false nine this year. And you saw in the last game yesterday that he's going to get goals in and around the penalty spot and in the six-yard box. So I like that. So those that kind of combination of factors means I want to stick with it. City are the one team that when we show this uh, this staging of fixtures to come of, you know, in terms of difficulty, it just does not matter where they are. It doesn't matter if they're in the middle, at the top or the bottom. They'll just beat everyone. They've, beat, they've run 10 in a row now in the Premier League. They'll probably go and win the next 10. It just doesn't matter to them. They're that good. So, again, as United fans, for some of us here that watch this show, and obviously us two that do it, that's not a great thing to see uh, as as uh, as Reds. But for FPL, it makes sense, doesn't it? It's logic. Go for them. Always have three players. I think Cancelo is indispensable. I think Foden, for me, is the individual pick now. And then it's up to you what you do with the other pick, you know. And I, I would not be surprised if uh, if a lot of FPL managers this week go for a double up on Man City for the weeks ahead in terms of defence. So you might end up with a, with a Diaz. You know, I've always said don't go with the centre-back. But the numbers are telling you Diaz gets lots and lots of points. That's what matters. That's why I laugh, uh, Rob, at when people, when they play FPL, oh, I never have a Liverpool player, never have a City player. Well, you're probably yeah. sitting in the bottom of your leagues. I never watch Liverpool or City on TV. Like, you know, it's just it's just nonsense. But look, if you do follow sort of, uh, you know, that template of having those sort of players, you're going to do very, very well. Guys, we are now going to talk about Rhys James and his 
well, his injury, and uh, he's actually been awful, Rob, for players. I mean, he scored no goal the other day. Obviously, he's come off early. Chelsea's form has been very, very bad. We have two graphics on the screen. On the left-hand side, we have uh, the top point scorers, scoring defenders in FPL. And on the right, we have the, uh, I believe in the best form, is it, Rob? Is that yeah, correct? it's form right. players. Yeah, yeah, form players on the right-hand side. We'll start with the left-hand side, Rob. So, look, if you haven't got Trent or Cancelo, you're doing something very, 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 very wrong. I mean, look at them. They're just far and away, you know, they're so creative. They score goals. I mean, Cancelo's pretty much playing as a central midfielder. Trent is uh, extremely creative. When you're looking down there, Diaz, you've mentioned as well. I mean, he's an option for me. He's at 6.2. So, you know, he's around the same. He's still quite premium, isn't he, for a defender. Rudiger's had a really good season as well. If you want to buy into Chelsea, you can, but we've already told you why you shouldn't buy into Chelsea. Then you've got Van Dijk, very expensive. Gabriel, Laporte, Roman Seiss and Cody are both good options. Kieran Tierney and Regulon. And on the right-hand side, you can see, obviously, Tierney is sitting at the top. When I'm looking at these defenders here, Rob, I'm really looking at them and thinking, look, I've got Trent, I've got Cancelo, I have James. But if I'm going to be taking James out, I am definitely not going premium in terms of, you know, a Rudiger or a Van Dijk because... I don't think there's any need to, to be honest. When you're looking at the form table as well on the right, Arsenal have got a couple of difficult fixtures. Roman Sice gives you a, a good goal threat in the opposition box. You're having at having a look at Davidson Sanchez as well if you want to buy into Spurs. Davis is another one. I mean, look at the value, four and a half million. I know they probably won't offer that much in terms of uh, going forward, but uh, there will be very, very tight. And Cucurella is a really good option as well, isn't he? He's done very, very well for... Brighton since he's come in. There's so many options. This is what we're trying to say. Instead of going for the, the premium one, I know Diaz for me is someone I am looking at, but barring Diaz, I'm looking at players who are the five million or maybe even the four, four and a half to five million or five and a half million rated players. That's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is that there is so much choice. So you can kind of play a little bit around with it and maybe watch the games, watch your match of the days, watch your obviously what's going on in the sky, all the matches and start to maybe feel around in terms of which players that you like and have done really well and correlating that to the numbers. Then two players that matter here on the left-hand side in terms of definites, of course, are Trent and Cancelo. 128 and 119, absolutely elite, outstanding. And that's what I said about Diaz as well. Even though he's a centre-back, so he's not going to get many assists in, in terms of, you know, I've talked before about having full-backs in your team who, who go forward and get assists. 94 points is stellar. But once you look at that, between Diaz, who's number three, and the bottom part of that section on the left, Regulon, who's 70, it's kind of 24 points difference. It's not a lot there. It means that you can kind of look at those players and really target. And as you just highlighted there, there's a big difference between, you know, maybe say the top end of that, which is around the mid sixes, and then the bottom end, which is going back down to five. So that one million pound might not sound a lot. But you could put that million towards another goalkeeper who gets you more clean sheets. You could put it towards another midfielder who might be a bench option rather than having just dead weight on your bench or around four million. You could probably someone who's five million who might get you points. I want to talk about the form side on the right hand side because I think this is kind of the more important factor. And as you said there, taking Reese James out, I don't think there is a, a kind of like for like. I think Laporte is a decent pick at the moment because he's only 5.6. So he's actually cheaper than James. And he seems to be, for whatever reason, Pep's favourite this year. Looks like John Stones is just dead in the water, doesn't play games anymore. John Stones started every game last year and everyone was talking about Laporte leaving. Now Laporte gets you goals and is getting up the pitch and doing stuff that he was doing over the last couple of years. But on the right-hand side, you know, if Arsenal didn't have that kind of sticky period coming, Kieran Tierney would be kind of easy. 4.9 million, full back, gets forward, scored the other day. 
I really, really like him. I'd like him in my team in weeks to come. I'm not buying him at the moment. It's simply because of Arsenal's run. If I wanted to buy him on just a player I liked, he'd be there like that. I'd be taking him. Further down that list, you kind of look through you know, the differentials. Sanchez at Tottenham. And this is so even we're looking at centre backs here, concert, Cody. That there's so many players around that mid fours who are getting regular points. Gabriel, but I would still stick with a fullback. I think fullback still will give you long term value. So you put a Davies 4.5. The reason why he's on that list, he didn't play, I don't think, in the last game, but he's just a guy who gets forward. He'll get you the odd assist just because he'll be the, the last boy crossing the ball into the box. He's going to give you some extra points. So I will tell you, I'm not going to do it at the moment until we reveal my team at the end, but I will tell you soon who uh, who I sold Reese James for. And probably none of you have guessed it because I've not even mentioned his name yet. Rob, question here regarding Emerson, who's playing at uh, right wing back. Yep. He's pretty much locked that that position down, hasn't he? I'm, like, I'm just trying to think who else Spurs have. They have Do- Doherty as well. Yep. He's not really uh, getting any game time. So he's the number one man. If you do look on the, the left wing back side, there is Regulon. There is also Ryan Sessignon as well. Who's So So there's rotation there. So you look at Emerson as well. Got an assist, I believe, uh, in the game against yep. Palace, I think it was. He did, yeah. Yeah. So is he someone as well to consider? Because, you know, we've mentioned Sanchez and Davis. Davis is playing left centre-back and uh, Sanchez yeah. is centre-back. So if you want to buy into a wing-back in a Conte system as well, I think uh, Emerson is definitely emerging as someone possibly that you could bring in. The diff, the the problem is what so I'll, I'll describe it as a problem with Conte and his wing back system with his three four three is that he's rotating them quite regularly at the moment. So we just talked about Doherty there. Doherty's not featured for, for ages yet. Doherty had a I think a goal ruled out for offside when he came on in the last game. So he'd give you some value, wouldn't he, coming on and playing as a wing back? And we know that Doherty, when he was at Wolves, was an out-and-out wing-back. He just lived up that end of the pitch. So you could kind of gamble on him. But I don't think I would have him in my team as a starter. He might be towards the middle of the bottom of my bench. Um, so the the issue with that with Tottenham's fullbacks is that at the moment is that I want to see for the next maybe three, four, five weeks what Conte's doing and who is the steadfast players in his fullback positions. Because... He hasn't really shown that someone will definitely play. I think Regulon, when he's fit, will play, but he's a little bit more costly. I think it's, uh, is he on one of these lists here now? 5.3. So 5.3 is not bad if if you're looking at him as a a Dan James replacement. Not Dan James, sorry, Reese James replacement. It's a million pound difference. And I do think that Spurs will will still get assists from that fullback position. It's just really, really hard to know who will be the starter because Conte showed that no one is really first choice at the moment. Well, that's what Conte has to do though, Rob. You know, you saw in his season um, with Chelsea yeah. when he won the league, it's so, it's so wing back heavy that they're, but it doesn't help so us. That's no, the no, point. Help us. Yeah, that's the point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Doherty was, I mean, he was an absolute shoe in, wasn't he? In those years under, under Nuno, he was, he was just unbelievable going forward, but it just hasn't happened for him at Spurs. Yeah. But I do agree with that point. Let's move on now to the big reveal. So what we have on the screen in the last segment of the show, guys, is we have Rob's. So on the left, we have Rob's team with Reese James. So this is how he was going to line up. As you can see, he went for a 4-4-2, Sanchez in goal, uh, Trent, Cancelo, Alonso, and James. Surprised you went the do- sort of the double Chelsea, but obviously you've taken James out now. Bernardo, Foden, Salah, and Jota. That hasn't changed all season. 
And then Antonio and Dennis and the bench was Ramsdale, Martinelli, Livermento and Wang. And then you can see, Rob, there's only one change you've made this week. And if you can see in the top right hand corner as well, you have got 3.7 million in the bank. Very, very interesting. You've gone for Thomas from Leicester. We've already discussed that Leicester have fantastic fixtures. They seem to maybe be hitting a little bit of form. I say that, Rob, they got smashed 6-3 by City. But City smash everyone these days. So I don't really think that result is something that, you know, you can take too much uh, you know, sort of credence in. But when you're looking at it, Rob, Thomas as well. Why Thomas? Why specifically? I know he's playing at fullback. I know he's 4.3, but Leicester have leaked a lot of goals. I know they're playing Norwich next game and Burnley and Brighton, but could they but they could very much lose because Leicester are a very, very strange team. They have got Amati and, and Didi playing at centre back as well. So I know they did very well against Liverpool, but that was a one-off game. So yeah, why less why Thomas from Leicester? I went for Thomas in the end because I decided that looking at Leicester's fixtures and looking at the numbers, that there is kind of some empirical evidence there to to bring in a Leicester defender. It's just who was it? So I'm not interested in any of the Leicester centre-backs. I'm looking at the full-backs, looking at Castagno, looking at Thomas. Now, Thomas at 4.3 is super budget, you know, really, really is. And he's also low enough for me to not worry about if I want to bench him. So I don't want to bench premium players. I think that's always a, a kind of waste of time when you've got a premium option and then you, you're just guessing, aren't you really? You're taking out a premium option. But when you look at my 4-4-2 on the left-hand side, you know, the, the whole Dan, uh, the whole, I said Dan James again, Reese James issue is obviously with his injuries that he might be back in a couple of weeks, but it's too much of a risk. And as we're saying, I'm no longer gambling on that Chelsea double up. So I've kept Alonso. And this week it is a kind of, having to make sure that the head rules this selection because it would be very easy to say, well, Chelsea and Liverpool are playing each other. So who am I gambling on? Am I going for Liverpool or am I going for Chelsea? So by taking James out of the firing line straight away, I'm relying that Alonso will play and that he will be an attacking option for Chelsea. So yes, there is that problem that if Chelsea get hammered by Liverpool that day, that Alonso is not going to get me a clean sheet, but Alonso might get me an assist. So that's why I'm keeping him there. Um, and it's the same kind of thing across my team. So Martinelli, I dropped out. Why? Because they're playing Man City and I will gamble on Man City over Arsenal. So I look at Bernardo, I want to keep him. Foden, I want to keep him. Cancelo, I want to keep him. So I have had to drop, obviously, Ramsdale and Martinelli out of my team. Whereas if it was a better game week, those two guys would be in there straight away. There's a problem for me at the end of my bench. Livermento's had a bit of a knock. I think Wang's out now till February. So Wang will be definitely going out of my team in the wildcard week. So I'm a little bit kind of short on my bench options, but I've still got Martinelli there. There's still a chance that he might score against Man City. I don't think City are completely watertight. You know, we showed that, that they can still be vulnerable at times. So if he was going to come on because, I don't know, Jota gets injured or Antonio or Dennis doesn't start for whatever reason, then there's that opportunity for Martinelli to get me some surprise points. But Thomas, for me, at 4.3, is a is a longer-term option for, say, four or five weeks. That's someone that I could put as my first substitute further down the line if I'm not happy with how Leicester are playing when I'm looking at it. That means I've still got a back three, if I didn't have Thomas in, of Liverpool, City and Chelsea, the three best teams in the league. That's the way you've got to look at this game. You know, you've got to kind of look at it. So even when their form fluctuates, like with Chelsea, you should see week to week to week, even if Chelsea are not playing well, they should still get clean sheets against the teams maybe out of the top 10. So I'm I'm sticking to that formula. I'm sticking with Salah this week because I have to. He's telling me to do it in terms of the numbers. And yet he might fail against Chelsea or 
you might get a hat trick at Stamford Bridge, and we're talking about this turn of genius. There'd be no genius in it. It's just a case that Salah dictates that you pick him. And I think Salah and Jota are interesting because in the weeks ahead, I think it'll be Firmino that comes forward. I think Firmino's been out the team, been on the bench. He did get a game week two or three weeks ago. He scored twice. And he might be a really tasty option to bring in as one of your forwards if you're losing Dennis. So Dennis is going out. So it's about balancing that those numbers again. And how do you make sure that you don't just sit on maybe £10 million? No, I don't think anyone wants to do that. Sit on £10 million and have a team. But it means that you can move the money around a little bit and still have quality. So I'm happy with that 442. I'm happy with the full selection at the moment with my full squad. I do think one extra thing. Um, with Ramsdale, who's been brilliant, hasn't he, for weeks and weeks and weeks, with Arsenal's tricky run, it might be worth getting rid of Ramsdale and bringing in Schmeichel. So Schmeichel, if, they, if he's got a better run of games and we know that Leicester have, he might, I think he's 4.9 million, so only 0.1. He'd be a really kind of tasty option, I think, just for maybe three or four weeks. You then maybe go back to Ramsdale because he's a similar kind of price if Arsenal's fixtures improve. And of course, they will improve in the next two or three weeks. I mean, interesting point. I actually was going to agree with on the Firmino point because I imagine when, look, Liverpool are losing two of their front three, yeah. the two the two wide men. So it'd be interesting to see what Klopp does. I mean, does he go 4-4-2? Does he go 4-2-3-1? You know, who's going to come in on, on the in the wide areas? I mean, you, you'd imagine that Jota would shift out, shift out to one of the wide areas and Firmino would come back in to the central yeah. spot. And then you can maybe look at Minamino. Maybe they'll, he'll put Ox out there. I don't know what Klopp's going to do. It's going to be very, very interesting. And that's the guesswork, isn't it? That's the guesswork yeah. because we don't really know what Klopp's going to do. So the thing is, you kind of know hedging your bets that when Salah isn't there, when Mane isn't there, that Firmino's just going to start. He has to start, doesn't he? And then there might be one other, like you said, uh, Minamino or, or you know a, a, any of those kind of younger players in that um, Liverpool squad who have had minutes further up the pitch. But you can't guess it. Don't guess it. If you're guessing, then it's not a, a great look. So I think you know, we talked about Lukaku earlier on, and we've also talked about Ronaldo a lot over the weeks. I think when you're looking at them at 12.5 million, 11.5 million around that price, yes, they're premium players for a reason. But do you really want to burn all your money on that? Or do you want to improve the whole of your squad, get an increased amount, maybe a clean sheet, increased midfield production, and kind of stick with these kind of budget forwards. Antonio is the most productive forward in FPL this year. He's still only 7.7 million, you know, around that price. So those Arsenal players, the attackers, if Arsenal do fire their way out of problems in weeks ahead, you know that Martinelli will get you points. You know, Saka will get you points. You know uh, that Smith Rowe will get you points. And they're all still budget players. So they're not really big risks. Well, final point. Were you tempted to look at someone like uh, Lookman, considering they're playing Norwich, you know, you are quite far ahead in your leagues. I know that you've benched Martinelli. You've obviously just taken the free free transfer, so there's no points. It's, was there a temptation, though, because you are looking at your your midfield at the moment, you know, City are playing Arsenal, Chelsea are playing uh, Liverpool. So you have got, there are hard fixtures, obviously, you are backing your players in your team. But was there a temptation? I know that he was on the bench. He's had a couple of returns as well. They've got nice fixtures. He's very, very budget as well. And looking at sort of Leicester's options, really, with Vardy out, maybe Inacho is an option as well if you want to bring in a striker. Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts? I mean, Inacho will probably go as well to African Cup of Nations, won't he? And so will, will. Daka. So Leicester could be pretty screwed. They might have to play a false nine system um, going forward. 
I, I think, again, you've got to compare it to what you've got. So when I look at that midfield five, and if our viewers here what look at that there, Martinelli, Salah, and we obviously know the issues with that, Jota, Bernardo, and and Foden. I think if, I, if I'm going to replace Salah, I'm going to make it stick. I want someone who's going to be there for weeks ahead and that I've got confidence in. I don't have confidence in Lutman. I really don't like he, he when he comes on, he does have an impact and he might get increased minutes because of the because of uh the shape of Leicester and what they're gonna have to do with their selection. Just don't fancy it. Doesn't 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 do anything for me when I look at that. There are so many good midfielders. Like at the moment, off the top of my head, if I wanted, say, to buy into Chelsea, then I'm I, they've got those midfielders. I could go and get Jorginho, who takes penalties. And it's going to score every time Chelsea get a penalty. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, that would be a, a true super budget uh, replacement for someone like Salah. But then you've got Mason Mount, who's 7.7 .7 million, who gets a, a goal or assist every other week. So there are, I think, so many better options in that mid-range for the midfielders that you don't need to kind of go super crazy. Because I think Lookman's a guess. I think it's a guess. If you bring him in and he does well and say, you know, one of our viewers here watching it, they're kind of going, oh, I brought him in and just because I, I got rid of a premium, I think that is more of a guess. Whereas I think with defence, it's it's just a bit more easier, isn't it? As Thomas is a starting fullback, so I'm not really gambling on him really doing great, but for 4.3 million, million against a Norwich team, that's just awful. Don't, like, come on, Norwich are going to probably score a hat-trick now and probably hammer Leicester. That's the way it works. But I think the numbers always say that those budget players give you a bigger return. Lookman's decent. And yeah, I, d I don't see him being in my starting eleven when everyone is fit. I'm looking now maybe at edging out Huang because he's out because he's injured, and then it's de like Dennis for me is the real cutthroat. Like five point seven million, there's no one really at his price range. Did you say you brought in uh, Broger, wasn't it? Yeah, I bought yeah. him in, I'm, I'm, you know, so, so Maximum's an option as well. You know, if you are if you are going to take out Wang and Dennis, you want to stay. I think he's injured though. He's budget. injured. Yeah, he he's did injured. actually. He pulled up so, so, so for me, Broger would be an automatic replacement for Wang because point is point three is point two or three less. Yeah, he's and he's going and he's going to start multiple games for Southampton. So even if Southampton don't have a good fixture, he's still the striker. He's still he's still in those positions where he's up up the front. That would make more of a sense as a budget sign than say Lookman, who is less than your premium options. But will he really give returns? So that's why I've gone with Thomas. I think for me it was Castagna. I think I would rather have had Castagna, but I didn't really want to pay the extra, what was it, 1.2, 1.3 million, because I want to bank that for when I finally replace Salah next week. Rob, before we wrap up, your, let's say, three biggest tips for this game week and beyond. The biggest tips. I, do you know what? The biggest tip is don't sell Salah without a, without a shadow of a doubt because I know that loads of people this week, especially after the blank game week for Salah there last week, my captain last week got me zero points. Thank you very much, Salah. But don't sell him yet because he is that one player that's going to stand for bridge and destroy Chelsea. You get the feeling you want to give Liverpool a going away present, won't he? You know, he's probably the best player in the world at the moment. He want to go to the African Cup of Nations as the star. He wants to show in his last game in the Premier League what he is. You're not going to see him benched, I doubt. You know, I don't think there's going to be any kind of uh, changes by Klopp. Klopp's going to want to play his strongest team, especially after losing to Leicester. So stick with him. But really, really, this week, go to town on looking at the budget range players. So start to make a watch list. So, you know, we have watch lists at the start of the season. And quite often people get enthused by that because it's new. It's like, yeah, I'm going to look at all these players and follow them. 
do that now. Do it now. Go in and look at the budget players that you like. Livermento has proved since game week one that you can go for a player of that such a cheap range and get incredible production out of him. So there are players out there. Go and look at them and make your list now. But I also think get your attack right for next week. A lot of people are just going to go for Ronaldo. That's just how it's going to be. It's easy, isn't it? It's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's got 800 goals. But United's form is just not dictating that Ronaldo at 12.5 million is a clever buy. I do think Kane represents a little bit extra value in the way Tottenham are playing, but there are better forwards out there across the line. And you don't need someone who is a premium. You know, Antonio, I think, is an easy pick at the moment. I don't think anyone should be selling Antonio of West Ham's run of fixtures. Um, maybe Haydar, that's something you can revisit. I think Villa's fixtures are good. She so could go back to Watkins. I think Danny Ings. You could jump in there because Danny Ings is going to start playing more now and he has started games again. And I think Broger, again, at 5.2 million to make all the money work is a really, really good tip. Uh, Huang, as I said now, he was a tip earlier on, didn't quite work out. I think with him, with Wolves, Wolves have kind of gone up and down and stalled and, and found it difficult to score goals. And then obviously he's got that injured and he's out. So they're kind of my three tips, but definitely don't sell Salah this week. It's really tempting maybe to do it and don't burn your wild cards because people are going to burn them, because this this first game week now is January the 1st, so it means you can use your wild card for this week. Don't use it. Wait. See what happens with the African Cup of Nations. There's a two-week gap between this game week and the next. And in that two weeks, the whole Premier League might get COVID. They might even cancel the whole of the Premier League. You know, you'll have a a brand new set of teams, and you won't have any games for six weeks. So just wait for a little bit. Wait and see. That's always my kind of... uh, that's my tip generally, but I think it really is applicable for this week. He's spoken. Do not use your wild card. Guys, thank you very much for joining us, joining us as always. Give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give myself a follow on at Hader underscore Robani. Give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. This is the last show, Rob, of 2021. We both wish you, you a massive, massive uh, happy new year. Thank you so much for all the support as always. And, uh, you know, when we put out our posts on Twitter, like, let us know what you guys want to talk about. Let us know your tips. Rob's very happy to, totally. you know, sort of reply and give his tips as well. Have a very, very nice evening and we will see you all next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 